Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with our study of Ephesians. In the first two chapters, the Apostle Paul summed up an astounding amount of the New Testament information that had been revealed through the Apostles and a few others in the first generation of people living under the New Covenant. The last part of chapter 2 elaborated on the glorious truth that the Gospel broke down the barrier of the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles, and we are all still one body in Christ. Paul is about to launch into a magnificent prayer for all of us to be filled up to all the fullness of God. But when he began to write the prayer, he sidetracked onto talking about the glories of all the mysteries about the eternal plan of God that have been unfolded in Christ. That's what occupies Ephesians chapter 3 verses 2 through 14. We started with this last week and took the side trip to see all the New Testament uses of mystery. Please follow along with Pastor Harris as he continues our study with today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Manifold Wisdom of God. Uh, No apostle, no prophet in the New Testament era is more holy or was more holy than you are. Because in Christ, all your sin is forgiven. All of His righteousness is credited to your account. You are made holy. Now you are growing in the practical Illustration, the practical demonstration, that's the process of sanctification. But in Christ, you have been sanctified. That's why in chapter 1, verse 1 of Ephesians, we're all called holy ones. It's translated saints from the Greek word hagioi, the the, the set apart ones. Now, we'll study a lot more about the apostles and prophets. Uh, When we get to chapter 4, we'll deal with that more thoroughly, and you uh, you can hold me to that when we get there. Verse 6 explains some of the specifics of this mystery to which Paul referred. To be specific, verse 6, that here's one of the aspects of the mystery that is so significant, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now understand, it is not a mystery that Gentiles would one day be saved. That's predicted all through the Word of God, going back as far as Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that in Abraham all the nations of the world would be blessed. Gentile salvation is not a mystery. The mystery was that instead of just an alliance of some kind between Jew and Gentile, or just some kind of an agreement to peaceful coexistence between Jew and Gentile, or even some sort of partnership of Jew and Gentile, the mystery is there's a total fusion of Jew and Gentile into one new spiritual organism. All the distinctives between Jew and Gentile are wiped out in Christ. Now, you still have your DNA, You're still from whatever country you were from. You still uh, have whatever features you have. But you all come together on 
the basis of one message, one gospel, and it leads to one uh, body of Christ. Now, there's an interesting play on words in verse 6 that emphasizes that. Sadly, uh, some translations don't capture it. Ours does. But there are three words in that verse which have a prefix attached to them, which in English turns into our word fellow. We are fellow heirs. That means we are equal sharers in the inheritance that is ours in Christ. We are fellow members of one body. Jews and Gentiles are members of God's church in exactly the same way. It's not two different paths. One message, one result. And then we are fellow partakers of the promise. That refers to every aspect of the promise of salvation and all of the promises of our, well, our inheritance because we are fellow heirs. And notice that um, this is all in Christ Jesus. Years earlier, Paul wrote it this way. It's over in Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. He says, speaking of in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Now, is everyone in the body of Christ a biological descendant of Abraham? Well, no. But spiritually, all of the blessings that were promised through the covenant that God made with Abraham, which was expanding upon the promise that He had made of the, of the seed of the woman who would crush the head of Satan, you all become His spiritual descendants, His spiritual heirs. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a distinction between the church and Israel. There is. We'll be dealing with that later as well. But there it is again in something Paul wrote several years before Ephesians. All one, same promises, no distinctions. There is one gospel, and it is the same to every person. How do you witness to a Jew as opposed to a Gentile? There's no difference. The gospel is Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day. That's also the message perfectly designed for the needs of the heart of every Hindu, every Buddhist, every atheist, every other, any other ist you can think of. It's one message. Now, about this mystery of Christ, there it is stated in verses 4 through 6. Now, how about the man sent on behalf of this mystery? Chapter 3, verse 7, of which, the antecedent of that is gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. Now, there's a word there that needs a little bit of uh, explanation. Uh, It's unfortunate that the word minister in our culture has come to be a, a technical term for paid clergy, the, the, the pastor that is supported by the church or the pastors supported by the church. It's actually the Greek word diakonos. And from that, in English, we get by transliteration our word deacon. 
And that doesn't help us even a little bit because deacon isn't a translation of a Greek word. Just take the letters out of the Greek alphabet, put them in the English alphabet, and you get the word deacon. What does it actually mean? Well, the Greek literally means one who serves. comes from a verb that means to, to do a service, to care for someone's needs. It actually started out describing a table waiter. So Paul says, I wait tables for God. I serve what God has given me. Now, you aren't an apostle, but what the Apostle Paul says about his attitude is what we all need. Paul did not regard himself as a mighty apostle. He regarded himself as a humble servant of a mighty Savior. And what a difference that is. I don't know who to credit for this, but it's clever, stuck in my mind, so I thought I would share it with you. When it comes to living as a Christian, life is like tennis. You can't win without serving. We are called to be deacons, be, be diaconizing the world. Our purpose is to serve everybody we come in contact with. And what's the very best way you can serve somebody? Tell them how they can get to heaven. That's, that's what it means to minister to somebody. To, to have a ministry means to serve people in a way that points them to Christ. Paul saw himself as a, as a servant, same attitude that we need to have, a humble servant. Oh, but what a glorious master. Now, there's another important attitude right there in that same verse. It says, of which gospel I was made a minister according to... Now, how do you go about ministering? According to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. Paul recognized that everything he had to offer was by God's grace, His unmerited favor, and by His power. And if we're going to serve God, it has to be with that very same attitude about whatever the service that you render turns out to be. If you feel like you are the key that is making a ministry work, you're on the edge of a great disappointment because God does not share His glory. We serve by His grace, by His power, for His glory. Now, look further at how Paul viewed himself. Verse 8, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. One reason that Paul was such an effective servant, one reason that he was so unflapped even by being arrested and dragged across the Mediterranean Sea in chains, is that he understood he was completely undeserving. Now, I'd like you to see just a little bit about how his perspective changed and grew as he underwent spiritual growth. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote this. He's been talking about the appearances of the risen Christ, and he came, he came last. He said, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, for I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.